Welcome to RailPass. I'm your host, Sarah Hardy, Division Manager of Visitor Experience with the Southern California Railway Museum, located in Paris, California. Join me as we learn more about the Railway Museum and meet the people who volunteer, work, play, partner, and engage with our museum. All aboard for our next great adventure. Welcome back. I have with me today Harvey Lehner. We had spoken to him previously in another episode about the start of the Southern California Railway Museum. Harvey's one of 14 original founding members, and I've brought him back today to just talk a little further about his experiences as a rail fan. Um, If you haven't heard our previous episode with Harvey, I really encourage you to go back and listen to that. But Harvey, for our new listeners, can you give a brief introduction to yourself? Uh, My name is Harvey Lehner, and I was uh, born in 1938 when electric railroads were still uh, quite uh, prevalent in the country. There was a a lot of uh, streetcar and interurban lines around, so I was kind of raised on streetcars. Uh, there was a streetcar line uh, by my, behind the apartment building we lived in at the time in Chicago. And uh, I used to take a streetcar to go to high school. And uh, so it it's, was kind of a part of me from the very beginning. I know in our previous episode, we kind of touched on the fact that you being a rail fan is really what got you started into creating the Southern California Railway Museum, but I kind of just want to delve deeper into that experience. Can you start off by telling our listeners what what a rail fan is or what rail fanning is? Rail fanning is um, really in the, in the eyes of the individual. Mm-hmm. It's, there's a lot of different facets to this hobby, and that's what makes it so interesting because as we rail fans talk amongst ourselves, we hear different interests directions different okay. pockets of interest within this grand subject of rail fanning uh, for me uh, it's mostly traction that means electric uh, railroad cars okay. uh, street cars and in urban cars uh, there are uh, steam engine fans and you see that here at the museum there's a, a group of people who work on the uh, vc2 steam mm-hmm. engine and um I'm sure some of them gasp when they allow me to ride with them in my motorman's hat. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's not exactly a steam engine right. uh, outfit. Uh, but it, so it, it's really a very uh, multifaceted hobby. And that's what really makes it interesting for me because you talk to people who see the hobby in their eyes in ways that I wouldn't on my okay. own yeah. uh, see it. That is interesting. Because it is, yeah, so it's just like a broad encompassing term for basically anything on rails and everyone's going to have their own insight and perspective into what makes it interesting for them. Exactly. And there's a lot of different facets to be like well-versed. Yes. Yeah. And and, and and really, you never become an authority on every aspect of the hobby because it's that large. So what we do is we focus on the the part that interests us and we become an authority on it. And we know every streetcar number and everything. I have definite, I'm very new to the world of trains. And that is one thing I noticed very early on when working here is that people do, they really get into those niches and they know everything about everything in that one little area, like numbers and routes and things like that. Exactly. 
<laughs> it's very impressive. It makes it fun. Yeah. Can you tell me, is there like a moment that sticks out in your head as being like that lit the spark or fanned the flame into your real fan journey? Sure. Uh, I would say it goes back to my youth in Chicago. When I used to go uh, on school field trips, uh, for example, to the Museum of Science and Industry in Jackson Park. It's a great museum. And what fascinates, what makes it great for me, it was uh, a museum with exhibits on, on industry that had buttons to push and levers to pull and cranks to turn. <laughs> and, it, and every time you did that, you did something. It made something happen. And then when I would go home, I would uh, ride the L train, for example, and I would be able to sit across from the motorman okay. and watch the motorman take the brake valve ham- handle and finesse the amount of air to go into the brake system. To slow it down. To slow or, it down yeah. or to bring it to a stop or to speed it up, mm-hmm. to tur- uh, shut off the brakes and, and uh, open up the controller handle. And I could remember feeling all of these motions that the motorman was doing. I could feel the change, the effect it had on the forward motion of the of the L train, of the, the train. Yeah. And so I was able to connect those operations with something that was very real, and that is going faster or going slower. Mm-hmm. And that I think that was uh, a time in my life. I was about seven or eight years old, and I started uh, venturing out. I'm very fortunate. I had uh, wonderful parents, and they really allowed me to spread spread my wings. Yeah. And uh, it was back in a time in our country where you could uh, have a seven or eight year old uh, get on an L train and go all the way to the other end of the town and whatever. And uh, it wasn't there was nothing risky about that mm-hmm. or dangerous about that. And for me, that opened up an opportunity because I was not old enough to have an automobile or uh, I shouldn't, couldn't go uh, the places I could go on the L trains in yeah. Chicago or the streetcars uh, on a bike. So they really opened up my world of learning. And it's really amazing when you ride public transit. The broad spectrum of our society and culture that you see there are people, uh, I used to travel on business, and I would go uh, around the world. I would go to Japan, for example, and I would uh, have a Japan rail pass, and I would go rail fanning on the weekends, and I would just get on a bullet train, and I would go for an hour. Mm-hmm. That's a long way out of Tokyo on a bullet train. Yeah. And I would uh, get off and ride a local electric railway. I did that in uh I don't know if it's called Nagano or Nagano, because I always called it Nagano when I was going there. And then when the Olympics showed up there, it became Nagano. But at any rate, (laughs) that town. And uh, it was about an hour's bullet train ride out of uh, Tokyo. And I would ride a local, the Nagano Electric Railway. And it would be on a Saturday, and people were out shopping, outings, with the families and all that. And you see how people interact with each other mm-hmm. on public transit. And it was just, so it's, it's, a, it's an opportunity to really expand your scope of understanding of who we are and what we're all doing here. Mm-hmm. And we're all doing a lot of different things. Yeah. And we're doing it a lot differently. And I attribute a rail fan hobby to contributing to my understanding of that. So it's a really valuable hobby. Yeah. For me. That's interesting. 
You know, um, trains are one of those things when they go by, uh, kids will wave at them. Yes. Why do you wave at a train? <laughs> you don't wave at a truck. You don't wave at a bus. Yeah. There's something about a train that says it's something set apart from other ways of getting around. Mm -hmm. It has a, maybe a romance to it, whatever you want to call it. And, and it's like magic. Yeah, that's very true. They are a really special form of transportation. Is there any moment that sticks out in your time in this hobby as like, wow, that was one of the coolest things I've ever gotten to experience? The first time I got to operate a streetcar. Yeah. And that was long before we had a museum where okay. I was able to do it legally. <laughs> 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 and, uh, you know, you develop relationships in life. Maybe that's why I became a salesman. But uh, you, you develop relationships and friendships. And uh, the uh, streetcar motorman, we'd ride the same runs. It was always the same crew in many cases. Mm -hmm. They kind of got used to us. And, and, uh, um, and so occasionally one would say, uh, do you want to operate the car? Oh, wow. Yeah, there, there was an oh, wow. And uh, there was, in fact, we used to do fan trips. We used to uh, pool our money together. We used to be able to uh, charter a streetcar, one of the yellow cars on Los Angeles Transit Lines. I'm going to say it was like 5 or 6 or $7 an hour. And, uh, you know, I delivered newspapers and the other uh, rail fans did what they did to earn money, and we would save up our money. We would all decide that we wanted to uh, charter a streetcar, so we'd each kick in an hour. So if there was four or five of us, we'd each kick in five, six, seven, whatever the hourly rate was. Mm -hmm. And we could tell them which motorman we wanted. We, okay. we knew which motorman would let us run the streetcar. <laughs> oh, my gosh, yeah. <laughs> and so uh, we would... Uh, Get on the streetcar at the uh, call. It was called Division Four, the streetcar barn area, the yard. Mm -hmm. uh, it's it's where the uh, sports arena is today. Okay. That used to be a streetcar yard back years ago, and uh, get on the streetcar with the motorman. And the first thing he would say was, "Do you want to go to the nine line right away?" We said, "Yes, exactly." <laughs> and the nine line right away was off the city streets. And it was a section of the old nine line, which was abandoned. It was replaced with buses, but it was still in operation. They still had the wire up, and you could still operate a streetcar between Hoover and Vermont on the nine line right away at 48th Street. Mm -hmm. And the reason they had that line active is because the Coliseum was close by. And if there was an SC football game or whatever sporting event was going on at the Coliseum, they needed extra streetcars, and they would store them or stage them on this right-of-way. It was oh, only about six okay. blocks away from the Coliseum. So they, they would then bring them out at the end of the event, and they had mobs of people who wanted to ride the streetcars. They had all these cars stored on the nine-line right-of-way. If there was no sporting events going on or no occasions going on at the Coliseum, then the track was empty. So we would go to the nine-line right-of-way. How long was the stretch of track? Well, between uh, uh, Hoover and uh, Vermont is probably a close to, it's at least a three-quarters of a mile, okay. something like that. It was enough. Yeah. And uh, we got on there, and we all took turns operating the streetcar back and forth. Wow. We back and forth. <laughs> and that was always a lot of fun. Yeah. I can imagine that. Do you have a favorite streetcar? I like streetcars that have a controller and what's called a lapping brake valve. Okay. And that's one that's the most complicated brake valve to operate. 
Whereas on the cars known as PCCs that we have out here at the mm-hmm. museum, um, they uh, don't have a steering wheel, but they have a foot brake and a, an accelerator pedal, just like a car. Yeah. And I'm not fond of those because I do that. I, I operate a vehicle like that when I come out to the museum and when I go home. Mm-hmm. I got the my foot on the accelerator, and I've got my foot on the brake, and, and it's no different. Whereas to be able to operate like our Pacific Electric Red Car 717 okay. or the 418 Blimp, mm-hmm. that takes some skill, and I enjoy doing that. I've done it for so many years. It's kind of like second nature, but <laughs> you know, it's always smart when you're operating a railroad car to say, I don't know this equipment, and I don't know this railroad, and so it keeps you alert. Mm-hmm. You're, you're not getting complacent. So that that's kind of my favorite type of car to operate. Okay, but there's no like one car that is your ultimate street car. When I go back to the Illinois Railway Museum, okay, uh, they know I'm a qualified motorman, and they have about five miles of track, mm-hmm. and I can get up to. They run at pretty good speeds, and uh, they can maintain the, the track is maintained very well. And when I was a kid in Chicago. The North Shore Line was the interurban line that went from Chicago to Milwaukee. And I, I rode them. I also remember riding my bike up to Evanston, the next town north of the north northern neighborhood I lived in, in Chicago. And I would watch the North the North Shore trains go by. Well, they have several North Shore trains preserved at the Illinois Railway Museum. And they sometimes lash them up as two-car trains. And they let me operate it. Okay. And that was a thrill because it's something that I used to write and watch the motorman operate. And, yeah. And, and now you get to And now operate. I get to operate it. That is pretty cool. It was, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah. And it's, it's, uh, it's a nice aspect of the hobby that we show uh, courtesies to fellow rail fans from different museums. And uh, mm-hmm. I know if, if – um, a museum member from back east or wherever Northern California comes here to the to uh, the Southern California Railroad Museum, we're very happy to let them have a hand at the controller and yeah. and uh, get to operate our unique type of equipment because there's very little standardization in these old street cars and in urban cars. Mm-hmm. So everything's just a little bit different. The brakes handle a little bit differently and that type of thing. So yeah. it's, it makes, makes it like sport, you know, something, <laughs> something different. Even though, like... The hobby is comprised of a lot of people. I really do get that sense that you all are like a really tight-knit community. But we're friendly. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. We are, we are a tight-knit community because um, we, we uh, I guess we just are. I'm not sure why it has to be that way, but uh, if you have gone through the uh, process of getting qualified, the testing and all that, it's not... Uh, it's not a snap. It's something that does take studying, and uh, and I have to get requalified periodically every three years. Mm-hmm. Uh, just just did that uh, a few months back, and uh, so it, it, I guess in a way it puts you in a, in a I don't want to say a different class, but it just in a, a different position in the hobby. Yeah, that you can operate the equipment, and you've leveled up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's kind of neat. What else is there about the rail fanning hobby? Well, there's, uh, for me, the archives okay. is a really important part of it. And I have my own collection of, uh, I'm a video, film and video guy. Mm-hmm. Most rail fans focus on uh, snapshot uh, 
single shot photography, slides and, and like that, whereas I do video. Yeah. And uh, I, I think the reason I enjoy video is because I get both the sights and sounds of the train action. Yeah, which is important. It it's is to me. a big part of, yeah. Yeah. But what I started doing back, uh, I want to say, in the late 1990s is I approached my rail fan friends Unfortunately, many are gone now, but I asked them and I said, can I uh, copy your movies over digitally and make digital files from mm -hmm. them and uh, I'll give you your movies back. You'll never have to put them through a projector again because I'll give you a, back in those days, VHS was the big medium. Oh, yes. So, yeah, <laughs> that was pretty hot stuff back then. Maybe the earliest part of DVDs. So I would give them whatever the current, whatever they had a machine to operate in. And I said, you can watch your movies now. You don't have to bring out a projector and, and wear the film even more. Yeah. So I did a lot of that. And I have a huge collection. And right now I produce railroad videos for railroad Zoom clubs, because with COVID, uh, almost, well, not almost, but major, a major number of rail fan clubs went to Zoom meetings. Okay. And what, uh, you know, when, when something good comes out of a bad thing like COVID, what that's some for the hobby is it has allowed me to be showing uh, my videos to a group in Chicago, the Central Electric Rail Fans Group. And I did that uh, last Friday, as a matter of fact. Oh, wow. A week ago. And a week ago yesterday, and uh, at the conclusion of the presentation, I said, by the way, I'm also presenting to the Pacific Railroad Society out here in Southern California at 7.30 our time, because I was, they meet at 7 o'clock their time, which is 5 o'clock our time. Mm -hmm. So uh, I was doing two shows in series, and they, they weren't conflicting with each other, and it was a different subject. And we got a lot of the uh, people from the Central show to come to the Pacific Railroad Society meeting because it was open to anybody who wanted to come on. And they got to see two of my videos. Oh, wow. And uh, it's something that I I kind of wish the Southern California Railroad Museum had a meeting like once a month or once a quarter yeah. where we just have the hobby, you know, early movies of, of uh, traction lines or, mm -hmm. or early steam. I have movies of the VC2, for example, oh, wow. when it was still in Ventura County in regular service. That's very cool. Yeah. So there's a lot that can be done with the hobby. And, yeah. Uh, and moving to a virtual platform definitely gives you the chance to connect with people that otherwise wouldn't be introduced to you or, yeah, the things you've collected for the hobby. They even know about us. They wouldn't even know yeah. about us. And. uh you know, having been in sales, I know the importance of advertising. So anytime mm -hmm. you can get get your name out there and what you do and get people interested in it. Yeah. I mean, the Civic Railroad Society meetings out here typically have about 25 people. That's fine. It's a, you know, it's a nice audience and they're devout rail fans and they're interested in the su subject. We have 55 people last week because I advertised it and said, come see the show. So we have people... In, in New Jersey, it's three hours later for them. Mm -hmm. We didn't get started until 10.30 their time. Wow. But they wanted to see it. Yeah. How has the hobby of rail fanning changed? Because public transportation and trains and streetcars look so different today than they did, you know, 50 years ago. So 
is are there still active rail fans or is it more just now rail fanning's a historical um hobby yeah it's a great great question it's a good subject and how do we keep the hobby alive yeah and how do we how do we bring new members in and uh it happens through museums, it turns out, because those of us that are involved with the Pacific Railroad Society or the Electric Railway Historical Association of Southern California, those are clubs in L.A., and they get together and meet monthly and all that. But the um, membership has been dwindling mm-hmm. because we're aging, and that happens. The, the one place that's not happening is here at the museum, and it's because we're bringing young people in because they did, they're doing what I wanted to do back when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. They're pushing buttons and moving levers and, yeah. and, and cranking things. On. And they can, there's two young men learning how to run the 717 uh, Hollywood car right now. Yes. And yeah. that's, and that's typical. That's what happens with an active museum like ours, where you can interest it, uh, get, keep them interested. Now, they have never ridden those Hollywood cars in service, obviously. Mm-hmm. Okay. But they've written light rail. And the fact that we have three light rail cars here, one from Los Angeles and two from San Diego, yeah. I, I know that when the light rail cars are out, it tends to be a magnet for the younger rail fans because they can relate to it. Yes. That's why 50 years ago we were buying old Los Angeles streetcars because we could relate to them. They were something you saw all the time. and Yeah. Do people still take photos and videos today of modern Rail cars, or is that kind of something that's taken a backseat in the hobby? Not a backseat at all. No? There's still, uh, uh, yes. Uh, photography is a very important part of the hobby, and it always has been. It has been since the earliest days. And, in fact, Kodak uh, really valued the rail fan mm-hmm. customer base because we made their stock value right. quite, quite high. <laughs> <laughs> um but yes, it's still a very important part of the hobby, as as evidenced by the fact that the meetings are based on showing slides and movies and videos of old stuff, but current as well. Okay. We just uh, the Los Angeles LA Metro, I should say, LA Metro just opened the regional connector downtown, and what it does in Los Angeles, what it does is it connects the light rail lines that could not be brought together. Mm-hmm. And now you can ride from Azusa to Long Beach and from East L.A. to Santa Monica, one seat. It goes through the regional connector. Goes to, It's a subway that was built downtown to connect the light rail lines of the northeastern part of Southern California and the southwestern part. And now it's it's all connected. Oh wow! And there's people taking pictures and videos and all that. Yeah. It's a whole yes. Every time there's something new that comes along. Interesting. Is there anything else you want our listeners to know about the rail fan hobby, or about your time in the hobby? I think I, I've covered a lot here. Yeah. Um, but uh, I've got more to share. I have to kind of think about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I really appreciate you taking the time to speak with us. I know that. I would love to have you back on again to talk more about rail fanning or other things going on at the museum. Thanks for having me, Sarah. I'd be happy to do that. Thanks, Harvey. Thank you for joining me today. 
As you disembark, make sure to like, subscribe, and comment. And visit SoCalRailway.org to view past episodes, photo, video, and bonus material. And also let us know what you would like to hear, who you'd like to meet, and what we can do for the next Rail Pass episodes.